Hello, and welcome to the Christ Table Podcast, a Bible study for those who struggle with digging into the Bible, but who want to develop a richer faith, one with some meat on its bones. I'm Kevin Young, a media guy turned minister who's passionate about helping others thrive, especially spiritually. If you're unaware, Christ Table is a movement of people returning the church to her roots, in homes, around tables, over food with old friends and fresh conversations. Check us out over at www.christtable.today. In the meantime, our study continues today on the topic of perspective shift. We'll be focusing in the book of Acts, chapter 13, verses 38 through 43. Let's dig in. When we come to today's text, we actually are jumping into the middle of a bit of a sermon by Paul or Saul. We're, we're kind of right in the middle of him moving from the name Saul to the name of Paul. He has been sent out from a church in the city of Antioch alongside an individual by the name of Barnabas in order to go to synagogues around the Mediterranean basin and uh, tell them about this individual, Jesus, whom they believe is the Messiah that had been prophesied in the Old Testament. And so uh, Paul is now giving a message leading people through the history of the Israelites in the Old Testament has come to the point of Jesus and now is essentially trying to help them understand the importance and the power of Jesus Christ. And so here, verse 38, brothers, listen, we are here to proclaim, we, meaning Paul and Barnabas, are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Um, that's kind of a classic line, isn't it, for people who are followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus will forgive your sins. Maybe that line is extremely meaningful to you, or, or maybe that line means nothing to you. I can tell you, no matter where you are in reaction to that idea of forgiveness of sins, for the people in the original audience, it would have been, it would have elicited their shock face. Because you have to remember, uh, if you know anything about the Bible, or, or maybe you've heard some things about the Bible, in, in the Old Testament, it is, it's kind of crazy. And, you know, if you've spent any time in the book of Exodus or, or Leviticus or or Deuteronomy, what you see are a whole bunch of laws and rules and, and regulations about what you can eat, what you can't eat, what you can wear, what you can't wear, uh, sacrificial um, processes. And and if you are aware of, of the temple and, and animal sacrifice, then, then there was this whole routine that needed to be done in order to uh, absolve themselves from sin and satisfy God. And so, you know, moments it was a lamb and moments it was a dove and moments it was a, a ram or, or a bull or, or a heifer. And so there was, um, <laughs> there was just a really long to-do list. If you were a part of the Jewish faith or if you came to the Jewish faith, uh, and weren't a Jew, if you converted, then you were called a God fearer. And you essentially 
took up all of these things, the fat, the sacrificial system, you took up circumcision, you took up uh, all of the ins and outs of, of holy days and fasting and feasting. And, and it was, um, in fact, Jesus refers to it by saying it was a millstone kind of around, it was like, like an ox with, with a millstone with a burden around its neck. You know, it was, it was laborious to, to take on these things. And so Paul and Barnabas and their compatriots show up on the scene saying, we're here to tell you that, um, you can just kind of pick up that old Testament, all of the systems and laws and rules and, and set them off to the side because in Jesus, there's forgiveness of sins. What you mean? We don't have to do the sacrificial system. What you mean? We don't have to um, go to Jerusalem once uh, or twice or three times a year. We don't have to sacrifice animals and go through that whole process. We don't have to follow all of the rules and the regulations, the the eating codes, the dress codes, the the marriage codes, the relational codes, all of these ceremonial laws of cleansing. We don't have to do any of that to to have forgiveness of sins. And Paul's like, brothers, listen, I'm just here to tell you that actually, rather than all of that through this man, Jesus, there's forgiveness for sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight. Something, here it is, the law of Moses, all of those things could never do. So all of those things never really made you right in God's sight. But Jesus, Jesus can. This is this is revolutionary to them, and and I think it should be revolutionary to us as well, because we may not follow a sacrificial system, but all of us understand and many of us have participated in a ceremonial or a worship or a religious system. And oftentimes what happens is we try to utilize that. Sunday service, that going to church every time the doors are open, that attending small group, that putting money in the plate, it, it essentially is a, is a modern day Old Testament religious system where we try to win favor, buy favor, or appease God enough that he will let us in and like us, if not love us. So even today, there is a need for Jesus because without him, we end up trying to find forgiveness through what we do rather than understand that we have forgiveness in something that has already been done through Jesus. And then there's a warning. Be careful. Don't let the prophet's words apply to you. For they said, now... Paul's going to go back to the book of Habakkuk and give this line. Look, you mockers, be amazed and die, for I'm doing something in your day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. Paul understands that this is a bit of an unbelievable turn of events that God essentially changed the entire system and the entire way of doing things and now is doing something new, something uh, something radically easier. 
Habakkuk wrote about this type of thing when he said, look, people who mock at this and be amazed and, and die. I don't think that die is literal there, but you know, I could just die. You know, we use that phrase in the same way. Look, you mockers be amazed even to the point of shock. That is a, <laughs> a step away from death you're so shocked for i god am doing something in your day something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it there are many people many good people many religious people many church people who um are going to try to convince you that things are not of god because that's not the way that they have always been you know the line that oftentimes is used that i hear is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm not going to disagree with that, but I'm going to say that just because God may be the same person and have the same values and the same um, motivations doesn't mean that God has to work and do the same way every single time he does something. No. Uh, oh. That thing that your congregation is doing can't be of God. God, that's not the way we do things. That's not the way church is done. That worship style, that um, new way to bring good news to people. Um, we don't even we don't even get around those people or talk to those people. That's not the way. It's not supposed to be that way. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I just got to tell you, for a God who essentially set aside the entirety of the law of Moses as the pathway for his followers to receiving forgiveness and grace and instead moves to Jesus, to a Messiah. I'm just unconvinced that God doesn't do new things, radical new things. Growing up, the radical new thing was a drummer and electric guitar and long hair on the platform. You're going to tell me that God's not going to allow that, but God's going to allow this entire Old Testament sacrificial system to, to just not be the way anymore. I'm unconvinced. I am doing something new in your day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. And this verse Paul takes this verse and uses it as a descriptor for what God does in Jesus. But Habakkuk didn't write this solely for the Messiah or for Jesus. This is, this is a broad principle. God continued to do new things after Jesus. And today God continues to do new things. God continues to do things that, that some of you won't believe in, even if we told you about it, God keeps doing new things. And, and many in the religious establishment, are not going to recognize it or believe it. Why do I point to the religious establishment? Because this is this is who Paul is talking to. He's talking to religious people who are part of the religious establishment who may try to keep the way things have always been done in place. So Paul is speaking to this group and uses a line from Habakkuk to say God keeps doing new things. Why? Because Paul understands there's going to be pushback and those who say, no, 
no, God doesn't do new things, which means there wouldn't be an acceptance of Jesus, which means that there wouldn't be an acceptance of the forgiveness of sins through that route. And so for those today who push back and say, no, God, God won't allow the good news to be in that person. They have to change. They have to be this way. They have to do this. They have to act this way. This is the proper way to do church. This is the proper way to live in the world. No, this theology, we've had this theology for, for many, many years. This is the way it has to be. God doesn't, Habakkuk and Paul and Jesus and God himself say, yeah, no, sorry. As Paul and Barnabas leave the synagogue that day, the people beg them to speak about these things again the next week. They say, please come back. We want to hear more. Please come back. People are longing for freedom from religious oppression. Why do they want them back? They want them back because they want to hear more. They want to hear more about this new thing that God is doing, these new ways that he's moving. It's exciting to them, and it should be, because God has taken that burden off, and God has allowed there to be an easier way to be a follower, to be in sync and alignment and step with him. People are longing for freedom from religious oppression. And for any of us, myself included, for any of us that oppress people with religious systems, with traditions, with the way things always have been done, with well, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we find ourselves, I think, in offense against the entirety and trajectory of Scripture and against God. Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism, and with this one we'll stop for today. Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. And I and I love that. What what do they continue to urge them to rely on? Not the old ways. Not even the teaching necessarily of the rabbi. Doesn't continue to tell them. You need to continue to rely on the teachings of the law and the prophets and the Old Testament and the scriptures. Today, anywhere I go, usually in Christendom, evangelicalism, especially when I go out on social media, especially on Twitter, and I read what people are saying and in arguments, um, conversations, questions about theology, it's always you need to continue to rely on what the word of God, the scripture says. It's fascinating to me that Paul did not end this statement here with encouraging them to rely on the scriptures, to rely on the traditions, to rely on the way things had been done up until then. The two of them urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God, period. It makes sense if you know anything about the whole problem that they were facing, because the issue is that the Israelites and the Jews had relied on their religious systems and their traditions and the way things had been done for so long that they weren't able to recognize Jesus and weren't able to recognize God when they show up on the scene back in Luke chapter two. I wonder how often I rely on things other than grace. 
or encourage others to rely on things other than grace. I wonder, wonder how often I can see it in other people. I can see it in other churches. I can see it in other teachers. I can see it in other books and in other theologians. I can see all the time how they weigh people down under the weight of a religious system, a theology, a, a value set that, that is questionable at best and burdensome at most. Sometimes it's difficult though to see when I do that. Maybe it's difficult for you as well. Maybe we need to hear the words of Paul. Stop relying on all of those other things that you're relying on to try to help you forgive yourself. That's the grace of God. Period. This Bible study on Perspective Shift is brought to you by Christ Table. If you'd like to join us in the study, there's an easy-to-follow guide in the show notes. We'd love to have you join us. You know, 65 million adults in the United States have dropped out of church, and that number will grow by 2.7 million before the end of this year. We here at Christ Table are committed to doing something about that. We are committed to creating a world where the table is once again the center of the home, the center of family life, and especially the center of faith formation again. Our mission, it's simple, to help people eat freely and drink deeply of life and of faith. Find out more about us by going to www.christtable.today. When you get over to christtable.today, be sure to sign up for our email list there. And for those who choose to donate, I've got a resource box that I want to send you in the mail as my thanks. And trust me, you're going to like it. By the way, the podcast is available because of the generous donations of our listeners and the incredible community of people who call Christ Table their spiritual home. Join us on our next episode as we continue our conversation on perspective shift. And if you'd like to watch these Bible studies live, there's more information on our website about that as well, www.christtable.today. Thanks so much for listening. We wouldn't be here without you. Until next time, I'm Pastor Kevin Young, and this is the Christ Table Podcast.